When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. The question about the goalies and the players and, they, you know, as you guys know, we love to give you like the, the our lineup. We don't want to, you know, there's no bull. Like, we'll give it to you, but... Obviously, this this time of year, we're not going to, right? It's just going to be, we're not, we don't know a couple sometimes, but, you know, sometimes we don't want to let the other team know what's going on either, right? I mean, it's it's any little advantage we feel we can gain that we're going to try to do that. So I'm not doing it to spite anybody. It's just a matter of, you know, we'll, we'll keep it pretty close. Yes, the high-level chess match begins. Oh. Yes. The yes. high level. No, nobody's saying anything about goaltenders. Uh, uh, do we even have a goaltender? Does anyone no. have a goaltender? Nobody's got a goal. We might go empty net all, all game. Everyone might, might go empty, empty net. net. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. We might. We might. We might play three goalies at once mm-hmm. and take the forwards off the ice. You have no idea what we're going to do. We'd love to tell you. Though. God, would we like to tell you? Right. I just want to tell you yeah. so much, but I can't tell you anything. Yeah. Oh, we also have, uh, looks like Billy Guerin spoke to the media yeah. yesterday as well. He Listen, you guys know what this is all about, right? <laughs> right? What's it all about? Fergie? Hard work, man. It's fun. that. This is about winning. Yeah. yeah. You're damn right it is. Because it's the cup. No. It starts tonight. Because guys will be playing with arms hanging knees dangling, heads halfway lopped off, and you know what? None of it keeps these you know, guys up. I know Mackie and Judd and Score North can just be trendsetters, but I feel like we are the first ones on the it's about effing winning train. Like now now oh, the Wild are now using it's 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 about winning. Like that's their playoff slogan. It's about winning. Yeah. And the Billy Garen clips more like surfacing in social medias, other places like over the last few months. I, I just want to be right here and be the first one to say that the Mackie and Judd and Score North and Judd's Hockey Show were all over. It's about effing winning. And first of all, put effing winning on the T-shirt. It's not about winning. Winning's nice. Winning is, there's nothing nice about pro sports. It's about effing winning. Let's bring the F back. You know what? If your kids can't take it, get rid of them. I don't want your kids around this hockey team. It's about effing winning. You know what that also means? It's about Kirk Cousins being MVP. It's about Byron Buxton playing 145. That's, I think you're right, Dex. I thought the same exact thing. Mm. Like, like Bill Guerin from the East Coast, right? Four Stanley Cups. He's come here conditioned to say, you are the biggest bunch of soft human beings I've ever <laughs> seen. 
It's changing right now. Score North is right. It's about well, effing winning. Well, a cu- couple things. I'm, I'm gonna. You said something about Kirk Cousins there that I need to circle back on here. We'll get to we'll get to statements and uh, we got a buffoon of the week here. But what what's controversial about wanting and whatever word you want to use, pushing for your favorite teams to win more? I almost feel like you know because we've we've been doing this for years on even the old radio show, um, fifteen hour ESPN. And, uh, and we, you know, we get some pushback from people. Like, you, what do you mean? It's not realistic to expect a championship. Why? One in how about one in thirty years? Is that is that a realistic timeline for for the men's teams in this town? And I'm glad that there are some executives here. Billy Garen being probably the foremost example that say, yeah, it, it is about effing winning here. It's not make the playoffs and cross your fingers and see what happens. And right, I mean, it's like we've seen enough of that for three decades. I think we know what that is already. Let's get to the next level. I got the answer. It's because we like players. Oh, I like those players. Oh, those those players, Marge, those players are good. Screw those players. I don't care. It's about the crest. It's about effing winning means it's about the crest. It's about the You can like players and still want your team to win a championship. Boston sports fans had plenty of players that they liked. Exactly. But you know what? You always have to be, you always have to be itching unless they're stars, like Kaprizov is a different guy, but you have got to be itching to jettison them at a moment's notice, and we don't like that. I'm telling you right now. Like, could you guys imagine if this was Boston, for instance, okay? Or like a, just a blue-collar um, sports town. You do know, like the papers right now would be actively doing stories on, does Carl Anthony Towns fit here? Oh, I, I like hear not you on D-Lo. That. I mean, D D'Lo, we could talk about. That's a no brainer. Yeah, he he choked. He was terrible. I don't want him here. But I mean, you do know, like for all of the for all of the conditioning here, like we're like, well, of course you can't trade cat. And I, I do agree they probably won't. If this was a real, like a real hardcore, it's about winning all the time sports town, there would be dissections of the fact that cat might not fit here. Okay, I'm going to tweet because because you you say it sometimes like you criticize people for liking players and I don't I don't agree with that. But what you just said, I think if I could rephrase what you're saying, it's we're afraid to be hard on players when they deserve it. Like you can still love Carl Anthony Towns and his unicorn seven foot three point shot and everything. But when that dude fails to show up or actively submarines three playoff games and helps you blow 26 and 13 point leads in the fourth quarter. Right. Like. It's almost like we go into protection mode. Oh, well, well but, but, you know, he's gone through a lot. Well, I, you know, right. it was a good run. We just need to learn. And it's like, well, it's year seven. It's right. I mean, but by the time KG was in year seven, he was winning an MVP. So I, we're, we're afraid to be hard on teams and set expectations because, I don't know, it's it's mean. But that's I don't know what, what it is. That's it's a very saying. Midwestern thing that we need to stop doing. It's soft. It's soft. And, and where I do mean what I'm saying is we identify the player as the team. They're not. The crest is. How do you gather up a group? And by the way, it's not just talent. It's people that are SOBs. I mean, pro sports is brutal. We're about to embark on my favorite playoff because it's brutal. Because Marcus Foligno is probably going to try to play through a knee that something's torn. Something's very wrong. But he's going to try and play because, as Phil jokes, it's the cup. Because it's the cup. But, I mean, we just get these loyalties to people. Sports isn't about the people. It's about the best people who are wired right. That's that's what I that's what frustrates me so much. This whole well, we better back off that guy. 
you know, I mean, Cat is the prime example. In a harsher sports market, there would have been discussion since Game 6 ended about, does he work here? And it wouldn't be, well, of course, they, they can't trade Cat or, that you know, or, or to your point, Phil, he's been through a lot. Well, he has. That sucks. As a human empathy, as a player, dude, you got to do more. That's mean. Mean. <laughs> you, you know what? Coming up, coming up next. The Timberwolves blew three double-digit fourth-quarter leads for the first time in basketball history. But look at their awesome workout regimen this summer. Look how good of friends they are. It's great. And Carl, I mean, the team tried hard too, Phil. Like we are, we are the ultimate. Well, but did they have fun and get treat tickets to go to Dairy Queen post game? Because I mean, if they did, that's great. You know, and Jared Spurgeon, I checked that clip is a legit clip. No setup. No, hey, Jared, say this so I can say that. That's a legit clip, and that's the problem now. This is where the wiring of pro sports so, is a problem. Hard work and having fun. What are you talking about, dude? So that you can confirm that, because it looked like a setup. It did. So you're confirming that the, he legitimately it thought organic. it was about hard work and having fun. I actually checked, because I thought the same thing. <laughs> hard and I thought, work and having fun. Hard no, work and having not. fun. Like, you really think that's what you're here for? Dude, first of all, you're making a lot of dough, which is great for you. Second of all... It is about almost, and and I say this and it's harsh, but I just don't care. It is about almost ignoring everything else in your life at this point to win a championship. Like, that's the work it takes. I mean, if you are if you want to be, oh, I got a lot going on in my life. I got, and I, you should see, I'm going to the, I love the fact that people in this town help out. I think that's great. I think they should. But if my choice is this guy's going to win an award for all oh, the community service, or he's going to have a good Stanley Cup playoff. Give me the son of a you know what every time. You can do both. I just want to make it clear, like you can. But you can I'm be saying a, you, can, you can be a great Samaritan, and, and if also you don't want to, but I'm like, saying it's not, it's not a not a zero sum between those. Two. But I'm giving you one I of the just two. Want to clarify? But I'm giving you one of the two. Part of the audience. What would you take? What would you take if I can give you one of the two? Sob or Good Samaritan. Well, I well, again, you can do both. Like, why can't you do both? Like, I'm, I want championships, I'm but I'm not you, gonna. I'm, I'm giving you a choice, one of the two. It's a, it's a, it's a weird question. No, it's not. It's, of course, it's, I want it's, championships. Jared's you're saying that, like, hard work you're, and having you're, fun. You're you're saying, dude, you've you've gone a bridge too far. You are saying that if you help cancer ridden kids in the hospital, you are taking your focus away from winning a no, championship. Oh no no no, and that is. Patently ridiculous. No, what I'm I am with you on ninety no, percent of this. No, but then you go into like, no, you must. What I'm you saying, must, you must fast no, for sixty days. I'm saying if you elect, if you elect to bring on a guy who is an sob player, I'm not saying he can't help. I'm saying I'm giving you choice of one of the two. Of he is just not a good guy, but but he is wired to win. I'm taking the wired to win guy. Yes, you, you're. I'm not trying to say you can't do both. You definitely can. I am saying we certainly know our share of pro athletes we've all covered who would elect not to do the good stuff. I will say I think fans should be just as dedicated as the players. That's why I've been holding my bladder for 32 straight hours. You want to know why? Because it's the cup. Because it's the cup. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love the. Right, you guys want to do some statements here on this? Yes, Monday? let's get to it. Let's Please. get to it. Wild related statements. All right. 
Who wants to lead off? I mean, Hockey Whisperer's got a full bag here, too. So you tell me. I, you want Hockey I Whisperer said, to lead off? I said we go Whisperer, Declan, then me. Okay. That's fine. All right. The Hockey Whisperer is going to borrow one from legendary Minnesota hockey coach Gordon Bombay, who once said, <laughs> you got to get up early if you want to hunt goose eggs. The Wild have been atrocious historically in games one and two of playoff series. They are 6-24 and 24 in games one and two in playoff series in franchise history. 6-24. and 24. Stop hitting the snooze button. Get out of bed early for the playoffs. Go hunt those goose eggs and at least win one of the first two games. Okay, it'd be great to just win the first two games and play from ahead for once in a series. You know, think about how many times they've been forced to come back from down 3-1 or, you know, whatever, down two games to O or whatever it is. So 6-24 and 24 in games 1 and 2, you can't keep doing that against the Blues here. So got to get up early if you want to hunt goose eggs. That's why the team is different. Like, that's the whole point. Bill Guerin knows that. He he had a lot of guys on that, that team who were 6-24 and 24 guys. Oh no, we're behind. What are we going to do? This is why you got to come out. This is why this is why you've got to play. Every game has to be approached the same way. Every single game. Consistency. Consistency is the key. Hmm? Okay. Jackson. Okay. All right. My statement is it doesn't matter. What I mean by that is whoever the Wild end up starting in goal for game 1 here this evening against the St. Louis Blues and the Wild have a practice here in about an hour, so as people are consuming this, it could be potentially out there who they're starting. But I'll just say it, no matter who it is, whether it's Talbot or Marc-Andre Fleury, it does not matter. Both these guys have been dialed in. I know Cam Talbot has honestly outplayed Fleury here down the stretch a bit, but Marc-Andre Fleury is one of the most decorated and best goaltenders of all time. So if they want to turn it over to the veteran who's been there and done that, great. If they want to give it to the hot hand that is Cam Talbot, also great. And by the way... No matter who the Wilds start, he is a better goaltender, as in Fleury or Talbot, than Billy Huso that St. Louis has deployed here. I did go back and did, did some research on Huso because Huso's been mostly their number one guy. I mean, him and Bennington split some time, but Huso clear, is the clear-cut number one guy mm-hmm. uh, for St. Louis. And in the last 14 games, Huso has a 2.97 GAA, a 9.07 save percentage, so honestly a little bit below league average. The only thing he's been a little decent at is high danger save percentage, meaning he's stopping pucks in high danger areas at a little bit better rate than his normal underlying numbers have suggest. But no matter who the Wilds start in net, whether it's Flurry or Talbot, it doesn't matter. The Wilds still have a goaltending advantage in this series. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. And I wonder if it, so. He Huso has not uh, ever appeared in a playoff game. I think he's like twenty four, twenty five. So he's not young. But this is his first year with the Blues. I wonder what the leash is going to be like there, too. Because, I mean, Bennington, to your point, Dex, was playing more. He won a Stanley Cup, so he's been there, done that before. So I wonder if they're going to start with Huso, but there's going to be a a relatively short leash. And Bennington's so weird, man. He could come in and stand on his head, or he could come in and completely melt down. He He is the prototypical weird goaltender. All right. It's my statement. It's all about the special teams. <laughs> I believe the advanced metrics and statistics point to, to the fact that five on five, the Wild is clearly a better team. Like, mm-hmm. there's just, it's no debate there. But, but here 
is, are the special teams facts. Spitting truths here, boys. The Wild was 18th on the power play and 25th during the regular season on the penalty kill. The Blues, conversely, second on the power play, fifth on the PK. In other words, stay out of the box. And you really, the one thing, if you're the Wild, that you don't want, unless something is going to change drastically in the stats that I just read you guys, the one thing you can't afford is for this to become a special teams series. Because I think if it's five on five, the Wild wins. I think if it goes sideways, so you got to be really smart as well, then you're shifting it to the Blues' advantage. So it's all about the special teams. And to Judd's point there, too, the advanced metrics have suggested, at least through my guy Jay Fresh Hockey, who does a good job explaining hockey analytics in visual ways, that St. Louis has the number one finishing rate this season. So they finish and they convert their goals in, in greasy areas at the best rate in the NHL. Now, five on five. How much of that is skill versus luck? More skill than luck. More skill than luck. But also, a large part of that is because they're lethal on the power play. Yep. They're lethal on the power play. Yes. Uh, I, I think Judd and I t- talked about this on Judd's Hockey Show over the weekend. I think when you look at a 30,000-foot view, it's clear the Wild have a better offense than St. Louis. They just do, and I think they're deeper. But St. Louis has done a, such a better job at converting their power plays at an elite rate that it kind of now makes both these offense right in the middle of each other. And it's almost a push. Like it, it, when, when, you type, when you factor in the special teams part, St. Louis has been so good and they finish so well that it's honestly a push when it comes to both these teams' offenses. Now, the most important thing about that statement, though, is this. You can't finish what you can't get to. In other words, you got to gum it up, baby. You got to, like, they, they, are, they, are, they are getting to pucks or, or flat out taking the puck to the net. If you can't get to the net, this is the, the 2017 uh, first round that the Wild lost to the Blues. Keep in mind, they got a ton of shots, but what didn't they do? They couldn't get to the rebounds. They got outworked and weren't big enough to get there. So this is sort of the converse, the the exact opposite of that. You, you've got to treat the Blues skill guys like the Blues treated you back in 17 and not allow them to get to the puck cover rebounds, use the body to keep guys out. All right, Hockey Whisperer uh, has another statement here, but this one's presented by our friends at Dennis Kirk and DennisKirk.com. If you are a motorcycle rider, Harleys, Indians, Metric Cruisers, sport bikes, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. They have 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets as well. Order by 8 p.m., and they ship the same day, and shipping is free for orders over $89. Get in gear and head to DennisKirk.com. Ride more, wait less at DennisKirk.com. All right. The Hockey Whisperer is not concerned about Marc-Andre Fleury. Hmm. That's right. The Hockey Whisperer is not concerned about Marc-Andre Fleury. I know everyone's panicking, keeps giving up four goals and five, four goals, five, whatever. So, listen, he's old. He's bored with regular season hockey. And if you go back the last five or six years of his career, he rises up in the playoffs relative to his regular season performance. His last four years in Vegas, his save percentage goes up and his goals against average goes down considerably in the playoffs compared to the regular season. And so I think you know, maybe he just needed a few weeks to get used to his new surroundings. I don't know. New arena, new apartment. Maybe he's just bored. But when the playoff lights flip on, Marc-Andre Fleury gets better 
later in his age. Either way, too, like let's say he doesn't. You know, Declan brought up uh, Cam Talbot earlier. Cam Talbot hasn't lost in regulation since March 1st. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. So, I mean, listen, I, I think Marc-Andre Fleury playing at his best is your best way to carve out a deep playoff run here, but Cam Talbot hasn't lost in regulation since March 1st. Two months. So I think I'm, much like Declan said, pretty comfortable with the wild goaltending situation. Love it. Let's just say the whisper is comfortable. The whisper. <laughs> Phil, not so sure. The, the whisper, whisper, though, is like, oh, He's man. looked in his crystal got ball. It. We got this. He's ready to go. Flurry to Talbot. Um, all right, my next statement here. What Kevin, which Kevin Fiala shows up tonight? So Fiala's been on an absolute heater, dude. I mean, he's just been a completely different player. Honestly, one of the best players in the NHL over the last, like, six weeks. Legitimately. Him and Kirill Kaprizov have been Batman and Robin. They've been unbelievable. But now the playoff lights turn on a little bit, right? And we saw this last year with both Kirill and Fiala that they kind of got shut down. There was moments where, yeah, they put out a lot of shots, and they definitely weren't an albatross against their team, but their scoring went down. Now that it's the playoffs, what kind of Kevin Fiala are we going to get? Because also Fiala is prone to sometimes making mistakes, right? Like he can turn pucks over and get too cute. And in the playoffs, those mistakes are obviously heightened, and you can't have that happen. So Fiala's, I think, can I think this can carry over into the playoffs from his hot streak into the regular season. Well, if Kirill Kaprizov gets shut down, because the Blues are going to do everything they can to slow down the top line of Kirill, Matt Zuccarello, and Ryan Hartman, Kevin Fiala has to be the guy that reaps those benefits and gets the rewarded gets rewarded for goals if that top line is being shut down. So I'm excited to see which Kevin Fiala shows up in the playoffs against the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. There's been a lot of a lot of players in Wild history who. Score 25, 30 goals in the regular season and then disappear completely in May. So, What's your guess, Zucker? Declan? Over to Granlin. Oh, Back to Zucker. So, you know, God, yeah, Coils higher. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's about hard work and having fun, about guys. Hard, yeah, that's right, Nino. Hard work and having fun. De- um, Dex, what's your guess on Fiala? I think he shows up. I okay. think I think him and he, he's now had a legitimate tandem here with Boldy, too. Um, yeah. th- that's been great. And Frederick Goudreau, who Judd and I kind of thought was just some slappy placeholder that wasn't going to be really making a big factor towards helping this team making a significant playoff run and pushing them over the top to win playoff series, he's been a damn good center on that line. He just he he does it. He works hard. He's a good skater. He's fast too. He he does a lot of good things that also make up for the mistakes that Kevin Fiala sometimes can do. So I think he shows up. I do think he shows up. All right. Wild statements and and. Weekend statements in particular are about definitive statements. They're about putting your neck out. They're about coming and being cocky and confident. You know what? Much like this team, and I'm going to give you one right now, and you can write this statement down. I'm going to double dip it. The Wild will beat the Blues. Oh, wow. The Wild is going to beat the Blues. Off the record, off the record, I think it goes seven games. But this team is 19-2-3 since March 16th. This team is wired differently. This team is fully aware of the fact that the season begins tonight. Everything else is a nice appetizer. It was a long one. It's a long one, 82 games, but it's an appetizer. But when you, but when Bill Guerin said that, he wasn't saying it's about effing winning a game in uh, Edmonton in January. He's talking about the playoffs. He's talking about the Cup because it's the Cup. And so 
I really think that there is uh, I think it's a positive pressure because I think it's been constructed right. And I think they've done it with the right players, including some great moves by Garen at the deadline. So write this down. My statement, the wild will beat the blues. Write this down. Uh, I like, like getting out front there. Well, it starts Getting tonight, and I gotta, I gotta be on it. I gotta be on it, and I, I truly believe I might be proven completely wrong. I truly believe that this team is different, and I truly believe that it, it was built. I mean, it looks like a playoff team. Like that's how well, it's constructed. Here, here's the bad news. Okay, the hockey whisperer is bringing a Uh-oh. dose of Uh-oh. reality Uh-oh. to the table. Uh-oh. That's why I don't like the whisperer. The whisperer generally agrees with Judd here that. The, it's going to be like a six or seven game series, and and the Wild will prevail. But here's the statement: okay. the Wild might have the hardest path to a Stanley Cup of any team in the NHL. Oh yeah. So the, so the first <laughs> round you get you get a you get a 109 point Blues team with with by the way some leftover Stanley Cup experience. You know it's not like they turned their whole roster over. Mm-hmm. They've been hot for two months, mostly two three months. Okay, whew, you get by them six or seven games, whatever it is. Okay. Yep. Then a 119-point Colorado Avalanche team likely awaits you. They led the Western Conference in goals scored. So if okay, so your your prize in the second round is an even better team. And now you're halfway. If you can get past those two teams, congratulations, you are halfway to hoisting the first Stanley Cup in Minnesota hockey history. Okay, mm-hmm. then you potentially get a Calgary team that led the Western Conference in goal differential. And if you make it through that gauntlet. You get whoever comes out of the East, and there are three or four monster teams in the East, right? The Florida Panthers, the Maple Leafs, the Lightning. Um, so I, it can be done. It can be done, but this is a a really unforgivable path through the next two months. Spitting facts. We're, we're going to find out a lot about this franchise. Spitting facts. The Whisperer brings reality. That's what I love about him. Like, there's no, you know, not trying and. And you're right. And by the way, I think the Wild wins this series. I really do. But, uh, yeah, the the flaw in the playoff system is that the, the Blues and Wild, in no way, shape, or form, should be playing. It should be, I believe, with the old one eight two seven process, I mm-hmm. believe they would have gotten the Kings, yeah. which, which would have been a much more, oh, yeah, I think they could be, right? So, yeah, the, the problem with the whole thing is that you can go – First round blues, second round abs. That's a lot, but you're right, Whisper. Yeah, no risk management here for the Wild, unfortunately. <laughs> they have to go right through all of the challenges. But as a business owner, if there are challenges and risks on the horizon, which there always are, you can have a great partner standing next to you. Federated Insurance, over 100 years of experience in helping businesses maximize their success. Find a full list of industries Federated protects at federatedinsurance.com where it's our business to protect yours. All right, let's take a, a quick break and a breather before Viking statements and a buffoon of the week, Mackie and Judd, Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment. Yeah, I thought they did a great job for their first draft. Um, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, it's the first time I've ever grading, so usually I waited three years sure. uh, to grade this. But uh, I thought with scene and with uh, Booth, I thought they got some really good players in the secondary. They could come in and help immediately. And I thought Booth, when I saw him play this year, had the potential and should have been potentially a first-round pick so the guard from lsu i thought was a little bit stiff but he's a mauler inside and then i love the linebacker from oklahoma yeah 
He does a great, he's got great range. He's going to be a nickel cover guy. He's going to help him on special teams and eventually will develop into a very good starter. Red. Okay, how, how do you guys feel? How do you guys feel about Rick Spielman? Hey, nice job, Rick, on the CBS Sports panel there, breaking down the draft, yeah. diving into a media career here. Yep. But um, how do you feel that he kind of likes the Vikings draft? Does it, does it make you like it less or does it make you like it more? I feel like Rick isn't going to uh, crap on any drafts. Like, he doesn't seem to me. So, so it doesn't change my opinion of the Vikings draft one bit. But the problem with Rick is I don't think he cuts open the vein that I, I would like now. Like, as an executive, I totally get it. You're not going to uh, crap on teams, and you're always going to You would be more vindictive in that situation, I feel uh, like. I feel like you I would take the opportunity honesty. on TV to crap on the team that fired I mean, you. Boo- and Booth, another thing. Booth has been hurt. Booth has been hurt. I'd like him to talk about that. So I, it doesn't change my opinion of the draft. But I also – I think he has a lot of knowledge of the players, but I don't think the sincerity because – Ultimately, Rick Spielman wants a job in this league at some point. Is he still in the mix for the Steelers job? I don't know. The GM I, job? I, don't, the I would that, think he would not be, right, yeah, at this I, point? I kind of agree with that. I don't think so. And the Jaguars thing was supposed to happen, and then that didn't. Maybe Rick, maybe Rick came to his senses there. Or maybe Rick told them, I ain't going to work for Trent Balky. Oh, so. and he's, you know what, good for Rick. If Rick said that, I'm on Team Spielman there. All right, well, let's uh, do this. Let's go there, man. All right, Viking uh, statements. Yeah. Judd, you want to lead us off here? Yes. Viking statement number one from me on this Monday. Nothing secondary about it, okay? The Vikings defensive, I'm going to start off with a positive. I've got some criticisms, but I've got some positives, too. The Vikings defensive backfield looks far stronger this morning than it did on Thursday, and that's yeah. especially important. Um. You are now w- with Scene, who I think is ultimately going to be the replacement for for Smith eventually. Obviously, they're going to play together in 2022. Um, and I don't like the fact, I've seen him now twice referred to as Lewis Scene is a better version of Sendejo. I'd prefer not to invoke the name of Andrew Sendejo. Well, they both like to hit big, which, by the way, he's probably going to get some flags. But let's leave his name out, okay? Like, let's not a, ever say yeah. that again. That There's that would, a clip going around of him like just that. decapitating somebody in Andrew Sendejo fashion. It's like, mm-hmm. that's not, you don't want that in today's NFL. I, I like him. I like the draft pick, but yeah, those those comparisons. Let's not do that, okay? Shouldn't make anyone feel like, great. He's, he's just like he's just like a better version of Sadeo. You know, he's uh, a better version of Jake Cave. Like, like what? what yeah, are we, what are he's we doing? a better. They, they <laughs> drafted a better Christian Ponder. Yeah, he's better doing? than Christian Ponder. Well, no bleep Sherlock. Uh, so, so if if Booth, who uh, Rick referred to on the CBS Sports uh, hit there, if he develops and can challenge, so let's say he challenges Dantzler. Uh, Peterson's probably in his second and last year here, but I like the fact that the defensive backfield room now is filled with far more young talent and potentially talent that can, um, that can, if not move into a starting role this season, certainly has a chance in 2023. So that is an important place where the Vikings added what is hopefully pretty high end talent. Zolgad over to Declan. Over to Goff. He fires. All right, my statement. It's a gamble. My statement is it's a gamble. And what I mean by that is with the Vikings not adding any significant pieces to their offense via this draft, 
they're gambling that this team can still be a top five offense with a different chef with the ingredients, right? Like everything is on the table here. They have the same chicken breast with the same seasoning and everything else that Zimmer and Kubiak had. And now a new chef is coming in and saying, hey, this is actually fine. We don't need to add a new flavoring to this chicken breast. We actually think it's a pretty dang good chicken breast. You're just overcooking it a little bit, right? Um, I think it's a gamble to make that assumption a little bit that, hey, you didn't have to like reach for a wide receiver early, but I'm a little surprised that they didn't make it a significant addition on the offensive side. I was doing vent line yesterday with some Vikings fans, and some have kind of echoed this kind of same statement that, hey, it's easier for the Vikings to potentially become a top five offense in the defense to turn things around right away after finishing 30th in the NFL last season. But the fact that they're just saying, hey, Jefferson, Thielen, Irv Smith coming back, Dalvin Cook, and obviously Kirk Cousins, we think this offense can be top five, and we're just going to run it back. And and as we've also learned in the NFL, um, running it back sometimes from an overarching philosophy is not the wisest move. So it, it's a gamble that they're taking here that they didn't want to they didn't want to put something in this offense via this draft. And I'm curious if they can actually break that top five glass ceiling. Yeah, I think and there's I know we get a lot of a lot of people asking why are you so hyper focused on the offense? You know, the defense needs improvement too yeah it's no one's saying that the defense must stay bottom five and the offense is the only thing to focus on but when you start to look at ingredients for championship level success you know there, there were some high scoring offenses that didn't have the complete package like Dallas was a high scoring offense last year and the Chargers were as well but when you look at a list of the top scoring teams in the NFL it's all the Super Bowl contenders the Buccaneers were second the Bills were third the Chiefs were fourth the Rams, Bengals, Packers, all also in the top 10, averaging 27 points per game or more. Vikings were 14th. You know, and they were only like three points per game outside of the top 10, somewhere in there. So it's, it's not like an extra 10 points per game. But if you can't, with your weapons and with Cousins and with an offensive-minded coach and some upgrades along the, the offensive line, if you can't be much better than 14th in scoring offensively, then it's going to be hard to compete for a championship. And I will add this statement to the mix. I'm going to, I'm going to bring it to not just the draft, the whole off season. My statement is I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Okay. So considering the path that they chose, which we thought and disagreed with and debated, is this, is running it back really the right thing? They chose to run it back, and then they embarked on a two-month offseason of free agency and the draft. And I like the things that they've done in the last couple of months. You know, the defense was the biggest overhaul, right? New coordinator, new system, new culture that's hopefully not fear-based like the old one was, according to Eric Kendricks. They upgraded their slot cornerback spot. Mackenzie Alexander was one of the worst-graded cornerbacks in all the NFL, according to PFF. They upgraded at pass rush, bringing in Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter getting healthy. I think they upgraded at defensive tackle because guess what? Harrison Phillips is actually going to play. Michael Pierce played fewer than 300 snaps in two years as a Viking. So just getting a guy in there who's going to play on a regular basis is going to help you. I think I think this version of Jordan Hicks is better than that version of Anthony Barr. And then you added two promising young defensive backs in the in the first two rounds of the draft. So a huge defensive overhaul schematically, personnel, Hopefully health is going to come into play. And then offensively, you made you really made two major changes, right? You're swapping out Ole Udo for a competition of veterans and second, third-round picks if Wyatt Davis is in the mix, too, and Ed Ingram. You're going to have a better right guard by adding 
those four bodies to the mix. And then Kevin O'Connell is the main offensive change. A guy who obsesses over how to innovate offensively for the first time. I mean, you can laugh at Brad Childress. He was the last head coach to obsess over offense a decade ago. And in that decade, the league has gone even more toward offense, and the Vikings have had 10 years of defensive coordinators as the head coach. So all in all, would I have run it back and passed up an opportunity to trade Kirk for a first-round pick? Probably not. But that's the path they chose, and they did a pretty damn good job these last couple months. I'm here for it. What do you guys think? My next statement dovetails perfectly into that one. There is no margin for error in 2022. So by doing what the Vikings have done, which make no mistake, is they they made their own personal weekend Viking statement by saying Zimmer was a buffoon and Spielman wasn't good too. Because if you look at what they, they've done, offensively, the statement is very clear. That was such a poorly coached group that, that they actually managed to sabotage what is quite a bit probably of star talent. On defense, which was Mike's forte, right? Like, I mean, Mike knew what the personnel was supposed to be, and they were going to bring guys in. Wholesale changes, scheme changes. The Vikings basically saying, no, 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 no. Zim had a terrible year coaching defense. Ed Donatel and our guys are going to be great. But what the Vikings have done is they've created no room for, well, it's a new staff or it's a new personnel department. They have created what I I think it's only fair to say are massive expectations that between coaching and decisions made by the football ops people, that this is going to be an incredibly competitive, good, uh, contending team in 2020. 22, which, by the way, if they do, is awesome. That is that is going to, to be great. But I do think that they have far more created now uh, zero cushion, and there is no room for error. Hmm. Well, what is okay? What is the actual cushion? So let's say they underachieve and they win eight games again. So they do all these things. They switch out front office, coaching staff, bunch of personnel changes. Draft everything and uh, wah wah. You know they go they go eight and nine or nine. Maybe they go nine and eight and they get whatever. We get beaten the first round of the playoffs, which I think all of us would say that's a disappointing season. I think there is room for error because then I think Kevin. I don't think Kevin O'Connell gets fired. Certainly not after that. Quasi's job. Is, I think then you just oh well we tried. Okay now I guess we'll now we'll start thinking more about sort of a an actual rebuild or so. I, I almost feel like. It's kind of a no-lose to run it back for them. Now, now, could you say they missed their opportunity to cash in with first, second round? Yeah. If they would have traded Cousins or if they would have traded Harrison Smith, like they could have gotten a ton of draft capital. Correct. So to me, that that would have been the missed opportunity. But I don't think jobs are on the line if they come up short of expectations. So I, don't know, I guess it's almost like a free year for Kevin O'Connell. I disagree completely. I think that, that they are putting their – they are accelerating a process they – didn't need to because they think that this team was so poorly run. And so if they don't, I agree. No one gets fired, but there are questions. There are significant questions. I mean, these guys are literally staking their their reputation on they did such a poor job going out the door that we are going to show that they were buffoons and that we are the people that can come in and and find the right coaching staff. And if they're right, it's going to be awesome. It'll be great fun. I'm just saying I do think that it accelerates the expectation here. 
So instead of buying, like the Bears are buying themselves time to retool, to trade guys, to get draft picks, to say there is a very coherent plan here. The Vikings are almost saying that Rick and Mike were so bad that we're going to call that a mulligan year from them, and our guys are going to fix their mistakes. So I do think, reputation-wise, it's going to raise expectations immediately instead of, to your point, Phil, trading some guys, getting draft picks, and having what looks like a very coherent plan to then go back up. Yeah, they're kind of, you know, there's some different components here in play, but they're they're kind of trying to do what the Rams did, going from Jeff Fisher, who, who Jeff Fisher, there was a time where Jeff Fisher was actually a great head coach and went to a Super Bowl and stuff. But by the end, it was like, God, get this guy out of here. Yes. He's just a drag on the room. He's, he's it's, it's just a seven and eight win fest season after season. They had a couple dumpster fires in there, too. Yep. But they went from Jeff Fisher and the cobwebs in the organization that Jeff Fisher brought, and they bring in this dynamic, what, 31-year-old at the time? 30, 31-year-old Sean McVay, and boom. I want to say it was like a six-win improvement or something. That's a great, yeah, so that's perfect. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to dust out the cobwebs of the old regime, bring some new life in, focus on offense. And by the way, Sean McVay did it with Jared Goff. Right. First couple seasons. Went to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. I love so that comp. If you can even get, like, diet Jared, diet uh, Sean McVay here and Kevin O'Connell, then, you know, maybe it's enough. Dex? All right. I'm going to stick back to the draft here. My statement is the Vikings defense should be better. The Vikings defense should be better. They prioritize it. They get seen. They get Andrew Booth. Ryan Asamoah, the linebacker. Uh, Caleb Evans, another cornerback. They have prioritized their defense. Now, Rookie corners, I think, rarely make significant impacts. Um, it takes them a little bit to get used to that NFL. But with Seen playing safety, I think that adjustment's a little easier. He's not gonna—I mean, he's gonna be playing alongside Harrison Smith, who's a borderline Hall of Fame player. And it might not be right away that they go from 30th defense to the top 10 and being the defense that Zimmer had in its heyday. But I do think it's progressing towards being a better defense. They wanted this team's defense to be better. They addressed it at the draft. And I'm curious to see if this actually can come to fruition. But I, I think with the Vikings making this game plan of going, hey, we're going to take the majority of defensive players on days one and two of the draft. We want to improve this defense. And with the new scheme um, uh, of bringing Ed Donatel to, I think, makes it a little bit more creative. So the Vikings defense should be better in 2022, and they're lining up yeah. to do so. Yeah, it absolutely mm-hmm. should be better. And I think... I- it's going to be so interesting to see how creative they get because, again, it wasn't that long ago that Mike Zimmer was still a creative defensive mind. But obviously his message and his scheming and the personnel, it was kind of a combination of all three, fell off a cliff, and they're looking to write those things. Um, my next statement is going to be presented, actually. I'm going to get to the statement in a second, but let's, you know, we got a new, we got a new partner on board here on Mackie and Judd. Aquaside Declan has jumped on to support Score North and Mackie and Judd. Yeah. If you own a lake home, or maybe there's a pond on your property, you need to call our friends at Aquaside. Aquaside has been helping people maintain nice lake shores for over 60 years. They have a complete line of lake and pond control products that will take care of anything from weeds to algae. So you want to get rid of that stuff? No problem. Aquaside pellets are their top seller. They're also a local-owned company in White Bear Lake. Easy to order online, and they normally also ship the same day. Go to Aquaside.com for more. And these products, by the way, are registered with the EPA and the DNR, so they're safe. They're easy to use. Uh, go check them out, Aquaside.com. Love it. 
Love it. Also, a shout out to our friends. Listen, you know, some of these GMs are going to get ripped for poor performance in the draft. Well, if you're suffering from poor performance in the bedroom, Valley Park Medical Clinic is here to help you. They are the only clinic in Minnesota to use the True Pulse Protocol, one of the most effective solutions for ED available. The treatments are surgery-free, drug-free, and non-invasive. And it's all done on the down low in a discreet manner to make you feel at home so you can ask any question in a professional and confidential environment. ValleyParkMedicalClinic.com. That's ValleyParkMedicalClinic.com. I think my favorite pick... Outside of the first two obvious ones, the defensive backs, it's hard not to to love the booth pick, especially in the value in the second round. I think my favorite pick is Ty Chandler, the running back from North Carolina. So this dude runs a 4-3-8, 40-yard dash. And if you start to look at the Vikings running back situation, which right now seems very crowded, right? Because you got Dalvin Cook and his prime and Alex Madison. And, and we all like what Kane Wangwu brings to the table speed-wise and special teams and looking to mix him in more. But... Alex Madison is long gone after 2022. He's going to be a free agent. There's no way they would pay him with Dalvin Cook also still eating up money. Dalvin's contract is a lot more flexible to get out of after 2022. I don't see this as a front office that's going to go and just rush to the door to spend a bunch of money on a running back. Mm-hmm. And Wang Wu, I don't think Wang Wu is ever going to be a guy that carries the ball 200 times in a season. Sure. You know, he's more of a special teams gadgets, creatively get him out into space. And so in, in 2023 going forward, it's possible that Ty Chandler could be in the mix for a lot of carries mm-hmm. for this team. And if you look at a list of the players that ran for over 1,000 yards, or actually it's funny, only seven running backs ran for 1,000 yards last year because so many teams are just splitting carries with guys. Most of the guys on this list in the top 10 or 12 weren't first-round picks. In fact, there's a couple guys out there, you know, um, Elijah Mitchell, for example, for the San Francisco 49ers, he was a sixth-round pick and just kind of popped out of nowhere and ran for almost 1,000 yards in 11 games. So there's just guys all over the place, third, fourth, sixth-round picks that are coming in for almost no money and making an impact. I think in a perfect world, the Vikings would go back to that. It's been a long time since they've had running back by committee and not had a highly paid you know, Adrian Peterson or Dalvin Cook type. Mm-hmm. But that seems to be the more economical way to go about that position. So keep an eye on, I don't think this year he's going to make an impact, but Ty Chandler beyond 2022 is a sneaky one to watch. And round five is perfect, right? Like for that position, that is absolutely perfect. You know, you don't need to, oh, let's take one in the second round unless he's unbelievable. Cook is one. But but I love the value there too because just from a positional standpoint, I think it's great. I'm with mm-hmm. you. I'm with you. All right, my next statement, um, I started with the good. Now I'll go to the, the one that I, I spent my weekend trying to get my head wrapped around this. And I tried to get on board, and I'm sorry, I can't do it. So my statement is, I don't like it. I don't like, no matter what the value is, unless you just clearly destroy the team that you're trading with, I don't like you giving the Lions and Packers what could be answers at receiver. One of the two, I guess. I guess I'm okay uh, but if the this Packers is, trade was a fleecing, but if this is well, but the problem is it's not a fleecing. If the kid turns out to be good and all your draft picks don't hit you, you're taking a high, <laughs> well, that, but that's one scenario. Like what about the other scenario where that dude's a bust and the Vikings well, just grabbed an extra second round pick that's from the great Packers. If that's the case, but what I'm saying is you traded a high draft pick. <laughs> you, you traded a pseudo first round pick and you're taking a, and you're gambling, you're going wall street gamble 
on something that, if it blows up, becomes a major, major problem. So, so, and Detroit's Detroit. That's a better player. But the Packers now basically are going, I mean, Watson is going to play as a rookie. And if he's good, that's a problem because the game is designed to reward receivers, not defensive backs. So my point is, I don't like making a trade unless you unless you basically, if the Vikings had gotten Detroit's first round pick in 23, I'm on board then. Then I say, screw it, just do that. But unless you can come away from a trade with a division opponent saying, we have to literally win the trade so bad it embarrasses you because we're giving you your guy. I don't like it. I don't like it. I think it's uh, I I know what he's doing. I think it crosses the line, though, between where Wall Street and sports don't meet. Sports are different. Sports are different. You are you are literally giving somebody that you have to play twice a year a lottery ticket that if it cashes in is a major problem for you. Why would you do that? Okay, can I sneak in with just another statement here real quick? Mm-hmm. Judd is wrong about the Packers trade. The Lions one, I'm much more aligned with you. I, I would have loved something bigger and better, you know, a first-round pick in the future. But on the Packers trade specifically, the Packers were going to tra- – so the Packers love – was it Christian Watson, right, from yep. NDSU? Yes. So they loved him, obviously. They, they had their sights set on him. Even Aaron Rodgers went on McAfee after the, the first round or during the first round, and, and he said, you know, he talked in the we form, we running the team as a front office. You know, Aaron Rodgers and uh, – Kyrie Irving just running their front offices. But he said, yeah, there's a lot of talent in the second round, too. So they obviously had their eye on this guy. They were going to trade up, whether it was with the Vikings or somebody else, to get this guy. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to frame it this way for you guys, too. Because the, the trade as it stands was the Packers traded one second round, two second round picks to the Vikings for one. So you get a free second round pick by just being the facilitator of the Packers, doing what they were going to do anyways. Would you rather the Packers trade up anyways and you get nothing? Or, I guess if you're going to trade up, why don't you give us that extra second-round pick so we can potentially get two impact players? I think you're looking at it as if the only way the Packers were going to trade up for the guy that they wanted was if they traded with the Vikings. But that's not true. They would have they would have found somebody else to trade up with. There's two, mm-hmm. two or three other teams I'm sure they could have floated a similar offer to. Sure. So, again, if they're going to do it anyways, well, cool. I guess we'll take your other second-round pick, and we get two second-round picks now. I'm not going to help him. And Andrew Booth. And uh, Andrew Booth. Uh, but, yeah, but then you traded with the Colts. You got cute. You got cute because the Wall Street thing is let's get cute. Let's let's take big risks. And I'm telling you right now, I ain't taking a big risk with a division rival, especially the Packers. And in the short term, here's my biggest problem. You give Rodgers a weapon. I ain't doing that. So like, He was yeah. going to get the, he was gonna well, get the weapon well, then anyway. Well, then go elsewhere. You're not, you're not going to get it from me. You're not going to get it from me. Uh-uh. Okay, then you then you don't get an extra. Then you don't get Ed Ingram. Yeah. Then you don't get. Then you don't. No. Ed then you don't get Andrew Booth. Well, here's the thing, though. Okay, you could have drafted. I guess you could have drafted yes. Booth and not had the Ed extra. Ingram. Picks, Ingram was according to according to the scouting reports or the draft projections projected to go way way after the Vikings t- took him. So my, my response is okay. I think that I think I'm the issue if there if there's an issue. It's more about the value, and again, it's this is going to play out in three years, but the Vikings actually had one of the worst value drafts of any team where the consensus big board showed they were giving up a lot of value. So my, my issue, I love the Packers trade. 
I'm very meh on the Lions trade. I love the first couple of picks in this draft, and then I think the issue is value-wise with the rest of them. Well, so, and, and know, de- you know. Phil, you, you could have taken Booth with the with the pick that they took Watson with, and here's my problem again, and you're right. For the Vikings, a lot of this will play out in time, right? Two, three years. You potentially gave the Packers an impact player for 2022 when you are supposedly trying to win. You didn't give the, you didn't give the Packers level. anything. You helped the them. Packers get it. Gonna, the Packers right, but, were going to take that player regardless. They were going to trade up regardless. But what if they hadn't? But they were going to. They wanted to. They clearly okay, did want but to. But why would you help them? If you're the Vikings, why would you help them? Why to would get you the make extra that second round pick? Listen, so the Packers call you and say, and I don't have a list of the teams that were in and around the Vikings. They say, we're going to trade up here. Uh, you know, if, if you want to match the offer, you're welcome to. Do you think the Vikings were the only team the Packers were talking to to trade up? I'm still not going to help them. Then let them go to a different team. What if they don't get that trade done? Then I don't have to be concerned about, again, a guy that was projected by some to go in the first round at a, at a position that is absolutely instrumental and the Green Bay is hurting at. Why would I assist them unless I win that trade so badly that the Packers are basically ripped from the get-go? That's I think because here's how your brain is wired in this discussion right now. And maybe this might be how your brain is wired, period. But you're looking at the worst-case scenario for the Vikings is Christian Watson becomes Devontae Adams. And the Vikings players at Ingram, you just basically said, well, what if Christian Watson becomes a star receiver, and what if Ed Ingram was drafted 50 slots before he should have and he's right. a bust? That is one scenario. I don't know, but here's the other scenario. What if a Division One AA receiver just isn't really that good and the Vikings just landed Andrew Booth and a starting right guard because the Packers are idiots? But you overreached on Ingram, so you technically, if the draft had fallen, Maybe. right? Right. I'm just, I'm just saying my brain is wired to always think what is the worst case and also are you helping a team? There it is. There it is. Well, yeah, of course you, you have to. If sports executives don't think that, they should be fired. You should never – you can't think like well, a you fan. Should, you should, no, 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 no. You should plan for the worst case scenario, yeah. but you shouldn't just be paralyzed by it to the point where no. you don't take an extra second-round pick. You could, have taken, you could have taken. How Booth dare you spit on the, the Jimmy Johnson th- draft value trade chart? Jimmy Johnson. I, Dex, I was going to say he was rolling over in his grave, but he's actually still alive. Yeah, I don't kill so. him. He's he's on his boat in the keys. I think I'm not as Go ahead, Dex. vindictive as Judd here on on this. In fact, I kind of like that Quasey's not afraid to do a trade in your division because what I can't stand, and this goes beyond just the NFL, if you're going to get the best possible trade from someone in your division, do it. Like if the Twins were going to sell off something I agree with and, this. And, and, you're, and, and the Tigers are giving you the best offer, oh, I'm yeah. uh, seeing that guy 18 times a year. I, I don't really like that. I think that if he saw the best possible offer and that was from Green Bay to do that, go for it. The thing that scares me, and I know the Lions are the Lions and Jared Goff is not great, mm-hmm. but the fact that the Packers and Lions took wide receivers does scare me. Like, because those guys can legitimately burn you. Like, those guys are guys that can make big-time plays, and those are playmakers. And also the Vikings' defense is, as it's constructed right now, not great. So, like, you could be burned by that, and you have to watch that. So I understand that. However, I'm more back on Phil's side than I am on on, on Judd's vindictive path of Kwesi doing these trades. It's not vindictive. (laughs) It's vindictive. It's common sense. It's I'm trying to win right now. Why would I want to help those two teams? You're not helping. How do you know you're helping? The, the Packers helped you. 
The Packers just gave you an extra pick. No, the Packers helped me for the future, which, if, which by the way, if I'm in a rebuild, I like, but I'm not. I'm all in. So I have to understand that I want to do nothing to help them immediately because I think I can win right now. Now, I disagree with that, but Quazy doesn't. He thinks that they can win right now. So my point is the Packers, if you want to trade with a different team and you think that you can get that deal done, that's fine. But I still have a valuable pick at which I could have taken a a player, Booth, you know, at what, 34, right? So we just disagree. You guys want a buffoon of the week here? Absolutely. Is it Judd? Okay. The buffoon of the week. <laughs> yeah, the, it's Judd Zolga. Yeah, that's right. I'd, I'd love to be the buffoon of the week. For being wrong. I'd love, are you going to meet you wrong? Okay, the buffoon of the week is the NFL mock draft community <laughs> for outrageously overvaluing Malik Willis. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Think about how wrong the mock draft committee was. And I, I, yeah. I get that I'm, I'm, I'm putting like 50 or a hundred different people here, including, including the Godfather, Todd father. Yeah, most people had him even as information came in as a first round pick. I think there might've been one or two guys that had the cojones to move him out of the first round altogether. Like Daniel Jeremiah might've moved him out, but think about how damaged these quarterback prospects must be, including Malik Willis for, there's got to be six or seven just desperate teams. The Carolina Panthers, you know, the Atlanta Falcons are looking for a succession plan long term. The the Lions are looking for a plan beyond Jared Goff. The Saints are still looking for their post rubies. I mean, yeah, there's like six or seven teams in a quarterback desperate league, and that dude falls into the third round. And there were no other quarterbacks besides Kenny Pickett drafted until what mid to late third round. Yep. So the 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 buffoons who whiffed on. I don't know. Maybe they were paying too much attention to like how far he can throw the ball and his mobility. I would still love to take a flyer on him in the second, third, fourth round if I was a quarterback needy team. But yeah, congratulations, NFL mock draft community. You are the buffoons of the week. So will will the buffoons be the mockers or the actual teams down the road? That's a good question. I mean, like that's one of the most incredible falls of a player at a position. I. I didn't think there was any way. He fell out of the second round. I know. That's my point. It's insane. That's my point. It just shows you if every team is down on him, whatever it is, whether it was the interviews or whether it's just, you know, he just, there's not enough structure to his game and all the, I mean, think about this. Carson Strong fell out of the draft. He was not drafted. And you loved him. Well, I did up until. We saw the big arm. the, the, The knee reports were pretty unsettling and then i guess he had a couple weird interviews with yeah i don't think so. he's really i think he did sort of whiff on the he's interviews just, he's kind of a gunslinger so all right boys that's a wrap on mackie and judd here today a feisty edition of mackie and judd love the fight fighting over the, monday the second round trade love <laughs> it. about minnesota sports yeah. fans the whole thing judd's hockey show is going to be primed for a wild playoff run however long it may be the hockey whisperer is on call as needed as well so if you're not already subscribed to yes. Mackie and Judd podcast, Judd's Hockey Show, and the Score North YouTube channel. Definitely, definitely get your butt in the uh, in the feeds of those shows so we can give you daily Minnesota sports entertainment. See you guys.